Hey, everybody, and welcome to The Post, a Redemption Church podcast where every week, post-service, post-weekend, post-sermon, we dive in deeper and hopefully give you, our listener, a guidepost in your midweek to help you further connect to Jesus for life change. I am your host, JP Gaylord, and today we have with us Amy Steed. Hey, hey. Awesome. Thank you, for, thank you for using proper mic technique and getting right up on the microphone. I now know, and I'll always do that from now on. Thank you. And Justin Kemmer. Uh, I guess, hey, hey, as well. Amy stole Justin's line. Is that what he normally does? And I did steal it? Do you say, hey, hey? No. Oh. I say something different every time. Huh. Or try to. Just trying to change Or just come back up. to the trusty Go Bills. Go Bills. Because mm. Super Bowl's over, so my team has a chance again. That's yeah. right. That's right. Or congratulations, Matt Stafford, for all the Detroit Rams fans. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Uh, should we take a moment of silence for our Bills fans? Or not Bills, Bengals fans. No, a moment of silence for Danny, Pastor Danny, the Turner family. It was a good run. It was a good run. I'm sure they're proud of, proud of their Cincinnati Bengals team. But Didn't they do pretty well? Okay, I didn't watch it. I'm not going to lie. Well, they made it to the Super Bowl. <laughs> if that's what you mean by, by pretty well. I mean, that's... It wasn't it a close game? It was a, a three-point game. Okay, then. So it was close. Mm-hmm. They, they almost won. Amy checked out after the halftime show. Mm, yep. I would agree with that. And before... All the mm. 35 to 40-year-olds. <laughs> that is accurate. Which does not... Is actually not... Does not actually include Amy. You know what, Justin? The 35 to 40-year-old range does not include Amy anymore. You need to watch yourself. Oh, boy. You need to watch yourself. We're wading into dangerous waters here. Exactly. You're just helping people conclude that it's it's not on the low end. <laughs> You're just telling people that it's You better watch older, yourself. You're getting close, end. too, so you have no room to talk. Well, maybe that should be our small talk and hot takes topic. We were going to talk about the Olympics, but I think what would end up happening is we would all look at each other awkwardly for 10 seconds and what then move we on. Well, there's the one 15-year-old Russian skater who's doping, but yeah. still gets to skate. Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly. Totally normal. Allegedly. Totally normal. She's, I think she was in first place after the, the, this sh- is the short program. This is the post and we do adhere to journalistic standards. So <laughs> please use the word Allegedly. <laughs> There is the one feel-good story about the American speed skater, the female speed skater, who, who I believe I I haven't read and haven't followed it exactly, but United States female speed skating team, uh, the best speed skater on the team didn't earn a spot, made a mistake in one of the the prelims, but then her best friend, which I believe is her best friend, had a spot and was able to give it to her. And then she ended up winning the gold. Oh, wow. wow. I didn't so hear that. It's, it's definitely a story to, to look up. I definitely do not have much to offer with the Olympics. Beside, I don't really watch them. How's that? Is that, that a firm boycott of China? Um, no, I just don't. I don't think it looks very interesting. The only thing we watched was the snowboarding, which that was like, what, a week and a half? Well, last week. JP, I don't know. you're not I, saying I, much either. Well, I have not watched much. Which was like built out on what? Like oh the oil Lord. oil fields yes. of China. Oh gosh. It was right, because the ski jumping hill like had the nuclear power plant right behind it. Right. Yes. Yes. I'm surprised they didn't have to climb up one of those reactor towers to get to the <laughs> top of the hill. They may just be sending a message to the world. You know? <laughs> They're 
message yeah. received. They China. have nuclear, <laughs> nuclear capabilities. Oh my goodness. No, no, no. That's funny. I find myself remarkably grumpy about the Olympics. I did not think my feelings were this strong about them. Uh, but yeah, you've got the human rights things, which are troubling. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that, you know, puts me on the, I, I really don't want to watch the Olympics because you've got China and all their human rights history. Uh, but then the thing that really sets me off, and this probably indicates I have my priorities in the wrong place. I will go ahead and freely admit that it's a safe place. Um, there's no natural snow and I think that makes me most upset is because when you go and watch the uh, like the, the super giant slalom, which is traditionally one of my favorite events to watch, you have like this little valley with snow in it and everything else around it is just brown, dry, dead vegetation. Yeah, it's ugly. That is not interesting to me. Or you've got the nuclear reactors in the background of the ski jumping. I just, no thanks. If, if you're venue for the winter Olympics does not actually receive snow. I don't know why we're holding the Olympics there. I am confused by that too, but isn't it really cold there? Like everyone, yeah, there's like negative single digit and negative temperatures. I've seen those. So that's they where just I can't produce snow. No. Yeah. But, but that may be because of the nuclear <laughs> reactors <laughs> that, and that the global warming climate change taking place in China. Hmm. Emissions. Very true. Uh, but this was known. They knew that the place where they're doing the skiing has an annual snowfall of like seven inches. Yeah. That's I'm bad. I'm very confused by that as well. I, uh, I'm not going to stat that, but I would feel that places in North and South Carolina have an average snowfall of seven inches as well. Mm, that might be a little high. The mountains of North Carolina? Come on. Mm, perhaps. West Virginia. We'll I go have nothing a little further to add north. to this conversation. How what about, about that? What about the Russia who has been banned from the Olympics, yeah. but yet not banned because they just continue to compete. They just go under the, the name? name of the Russian yes. Olympic Committee. Yes. And do the same things that got them banned in the first place. <laughs> Correct. I know. <laughs> yeah. It is very confusing. I don't understand that. And All see, that to say... The reasons why no one's really watching the Olympics, though. Hey, curling can suck me in. Really? Oh yeah. Those little guys with the brooms. Oh yeah. The best, and I think they've had to do this a few times, is when they pull out that little measurement tool that sticks into the ice in the very middle, and they have to see whose curling stone That's right. is actually closest to the middle. That is intense. Is that over? Did that event already happen? No, I think it's still ongoing. Hmm. I might tune in for that. Although we have, we don't, we don't have any cable. We only have streaming channels. So we have Peacock. That's what we're watching it on. Right? But it's normally on NBC. NBC? Well, yeah, that's NBC's streaming channel. Right. So you can watch whatever you want. You can watch what I think played last week. But again, I'm not entirely sure. Can you? So I can watch curling whenever I want. I don't yes, have to you watch can it. Watch correct. live or past events. Mm-hmm. Good to know. Fun I know fact, what to avoid. Olympic coverage is totally different in different countries depending on what those countries are proficient in. When we moved to France, uh, it's more of a summer Olympics thing, but uh, they had handball, 
and fencing were like their major, the major things televised because France excels in handball and fencing. Very interesting sports. Uh, very hard to follow. I would put them at an interest level of about cricket. <laughs> what uh, is handball? Handball is some weird combination of soccer and basketball where you play on a basketball-sized court. And I believe I'm going back to my high school gym days. You can take three steps. You can dribble three times. And there's some other combination of three that you I can think you do. can have it for three seconds. You can have it for three seconds. Uh, so it's supposed to be really fast paced. There's like a, there's a two point line, which is kind of like the three point line. And you're just constantly trying to score on this miniature sized soccer goal. Um, it's intense. That sounds weird. It is weird. And it would be hard to constantly be counting your steps. Like I wouldn't do all of that. Mm. One, two, three. Ah, what did your, I do? Three, two. I don't remember. Oh. I mean, you, you get natural rhythms and it becomes, you don't have to think about it. I don't Did know. Did you always have to count your, you know, your steps in your cheerleading days? Hey, actually, you know, when you were tumbling, you had to make sure that you were going to go eight steps no, before you no. went to do a handspring or something like that. That's not true. I just had to wait for my cue after whatever stunt was happening. It was awesome. But we did five, six, seven, eight. Oh, <laughs> interesting. Hey, back in my athletic, athletic director days, we had to host cheer events. They're, they were okay. They're awesome. They're not just okay. They're awesome. He's shrugging his <laughs> shoulders stand, at me. I stand by my, they're okay. Yeah, but you're not a lover of cheerleading because a lot of people don't think it's a sport, but I can... With I was 100% on the. Certainty. I worked on the score side of things, and so it was. It was actually interesting to put everything into the formulas and yes. how they get their points. And all I that. wouldn't so. say cheerleading is a sport if you're just on the sideline cheering for a football team. Competitive cheer is very, very intense. Well, not that this conversation needs to keep going, but I think I, I think there's definitely differences between a sport in a competition because even some events at the Olympics, I wouldn't say that's a sport. I agree. But yes, it's, it would be a competition. I, I would agree with you. Do I you mean, go what? to, go to, go to the summer Olympics and, and what, when they're doing trampoline, mm. I mean, yeah, that takes some athleticism, but yeah. Is it a sport? Mm. The one they always televised in France was bocce ball. There would be some super intense bocce ball going. But I don't with, play it correctly. But here's the thing. One of the reasons I like curling, I know different on ice, but same kind of concept is being closest to the center for curling or closest to that object in bocce. I think it's called the pig, or at least that's what they called it in France. France. Gauchon. I do think that's correct, but... Bocce ball is like in a rectangular, like isn't there a little box that you're supposed to actually play bocce ball in? Because when we play it, we just throw the ball and then whoever, yeah. you know, one and two. Yeah, I yeah. think when you get into the high level competition, there is definitely a court. Uh, they measure the consistency of the gravel and the hardness of the pack uh, because, yeah, it's... Again, this this was televised differently in, in France. Mm-hmm. 
they they pride their bocce ball. I, and it wasn't like, hey, we don't have anything. Let's televise the American Cornhole Championships. Uh, ESPN 8. <laughs> this was on one of their major channels like once a month, some bocce ball. But you know what? We... <laughs> We've probably digressed quite we far. We did. Uh, you, I'm, I'm apologizing to our listeners who never heard our hot takes on the Super Bowl halftime show. You can ask Justin about that in person if you really want to hear a good opinion. Uh, yeah, but we do need to move on. That's okay. All right. Well, this past Sunday, we had a great sermon on 1 John chapter 2, 15 through 17. Uh, it was titled A Change of Affection uh, and... I would rate it as a, a pretty solid sermon. Uh, <laughs> so I just wanted to go around with you guys and see uh, what were your what were your takeaways? Number one takeaway from the sermon. You better not have the same takeaway as me. I'm going to go first so that he can't take mine. Yeah, I don't I don't necessarily plan these things. So if you have something in mind, you can go ahead. Well, I don't have anything like super. Oh my word, this is amazing! I just really really liked. Then why did we have you on? <laughs> Because I'm, I'm the kids ministry director and I have a lot to say, Justin. How dare you? Just kidding. <laughs> That's my catchphrase. If you don't know me, if you haven't heard me say that, you will now. But in his gospel takeaway, he gave us the three steps to win. Identify the scenario of failure, identify the cost and identify the eternal reward. And I just really liked that because I think it's really important sometimes when you're going through something to really go through those steps and it can really help. And number two, when you think about identify the cost, even if it's something simple, I, I think about my kids all the time. Think about the lie that you just told me. No, you didn't brush your teeth. Do I literally need to look in your mouth to see like, what's the cost? Well, you could get a cavity. Let's not do that. But it... Something as simple as that. I'm just talking generally, of course, but um, I just thought it was really good. It it made it stuck out in my mind and something to easily use. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're first John two. If you've lived around church, it's probably a f- familiar passage um, where it's just kind of addressing love of the world. You know the. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life. Even even the word pride in, in some versions is really talking about about lust, um, this desire. And so, even three of the things that Josh touched on, you know, in in that regard, or breaking down the passage, were pleasure, positions, and possessions. And I don't know about anybody else, but it, it can be really it's really easy for me to love the world um, in in all those those areas. And so I think at times when we're talking about growth and and change in our Christian life, we can oftentimes feel feel helpless in that that fight against sin, in the fight against temptation. Um, even when you're talking about the, those three things to win, identifying that scenario, it's like we, that that was on point because we all have a I think we all have a scenario, a setting where where we kind of maybe have our, our, our go-to bent, where certainly multiple areas that we all struggle in, but, but maybe one consistent one. And, and so in that, in that piece, it's like we can find ourselves in that scenario, asking the question that Josh asked, is it, is it worth it? Um, and, and when we find ourselves actually saying it actually is worth it, in, in those moments of, of sin and, and even we can look at the habits and the consist- inconsistencies of our walk with God and, and be discouraged. Um, 
because we're going back and back again to those scenarios and, and answering the question that, that it is worth it in this moment to, to give in. And so like in our, at times, because that may be, you know, going through a season where, where there is an inconsistency with our walk that we feel helpless, but I loved the hope that Josh gave for each, each of those three, the, the pleasure, the position, the possessions, there was actually an antidote that he gave mm-hmm. where it's like in our growth, what, what are the other pieces that we can focus on? And, and they were integrity, they were generosity. And, and so you think of even, even those things in the moment of, of a temptation with, with pleasure, Hey, the Lord has actually instilled in us through his spirit, the opportunity to act, to respond with, with integrity. And even the idea of just the position, just general walking in hu- humility. Um, and then generosity, generosity. When we talk about our, our possessions, even one of the things he, he notes, just like there's, no, there's nothing wrong with having, um, but it's is the stuff in our lives, do we, does it own us? Mm-hmm. Uh, does, does our stuff actually have us? And that can be a fine line for, for us. Um, but, I, but just a piece of, oh, in this moment where my, Possessions, for instance, that that stuff actually has has me. How, how do I how do I get and start to move out of that place and that position of my heart? <laughs> Be generous, you know. Give, give something, yeah. give something away. And so, just with those antidotes, you know, helpful thinking that there's practical ways that we can actually take steps away from the struggle that is our our love of the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Uh, I think for me, uh, kind of. Two things real quick. Uh, the first one was the level of detail that we talked about things in. I think a lot of churches will try and kind of be real, air quotes, uh, you know, and, and uh, get down to the level of daily life. Uh, I really do appreciate that so many things were specifically named, pornography, uh, gluttony. Uh, and we actually got into some detail mm-hmm. on those things and said, hey, like, we're not just going to talk generally about lust and hope that you understand what we mean. Like, let's just name it because it is a problem in the church. And, you know, instead of just kind of ignoring it or hoping everybody gets what we mean, let's just talk about it. Um so I really appreciated that. I felt like that made it a lot, uh, a lot more down to earth uh, and a lot easier to connect with. Uh, but the other thing I really appreciated about the sermon was that there, there's a level of nuance in it. We're getting beyond the legalism and is this right or wrong question because I, that's not really the question we should be asking as Christians. Uh, it's the... Uh, and, you know, I, I've heard this for, for years. It was packaged in a new way, and I love the way that Josh presented it. It's essentially the, do you value the gift more than the giver? Um, because any of these things are good uh, until you value the gift more than the giver. Uh, and that's just a reminder that it's not a question of right or wrong. There are certainly some cases where it is a question of right and wrong. But in most things in life, uh, it's just evaluating your hard attitude towards whatever it is. Buying stuff on Amazon is not bad. But I realize the way I buy stuff on Amazon uh, is often not a very healthy way of doing it. Uh, you know, and, and uh, it's weird. That was remarkably convicting because I went back and started thinking about why have I ordered some of the things in my Amazon order history? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, yeah, I think I was counting on that being a much more exciting gift than it, it was. 
uh, shower rod curtain, uh, things like that, you know, uh, you, you laugh, but there is kind of that excitement of, Oh, I'm going to get a package in two days and it's going to make me happy, even though it's just a shower rod. And then you get it and you realize it's just a shower rod. Um, total digression. But, but I mean, you were, you were happy about it. Uh, yeah. I mean, cause I agree. Anytime there's that Amazon package, even mm-hmm. if it's not for me, like that's, that's fun to open. Mm-hmm. Let's go. Yep. Except for then you had to put the shower rod up. So that then it wasn't as fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I, I resonate with what you're saying, even gift versus giver. And even I think where Josh landed in his gospel takeaway mm-hmm. um, was Jesus is greater. Are, yeah. are, are we, are we going to hold to that and believe that and trust that? Because even in those moments of, of temptation, those moments again of deciding, is it worth it? What Jesus want, wants us to rest in is that he's, he's greater. Yeah. And I, I believe, and at times, certainly there's times where it's like, God seems silent, seems distant, but I believe God has proven that he is, that Jesus is greater and that he also wants to continue to prove that to us. Mm-hmm. Um, just in, just in his faithfulness to us, his goodness, um, where we can, where we can truly agree that Jesus is greater. That's good. That's good. Um, we're going to pivot a little bit and maybe, maybe one, I think one thing, Josh isn't on the podcast, so we can give him a hard time, right? Yeah. Yes. Oh, definitely. Yes. Well, you know, you mentioned gluttony and I think as an overweight man, I can, I can, I can, <laughs> I can address this topic. Josh brought up in his message, an example where he did something for the first time since he was like 15. You know what I mean? Late night, massive bowl of frosted flakes. Mm-hmm. I just want to be very clear that maybe Josh hasn't done late night, big <laughs> bowl of frosted flakes at night, but, but he's doing, he's doing some other things yes. that, that for example, yesterday, Tuesday on Tuesdays, we have, we, we eat together. Our staff eats together. It's kind of the one day that we have, you know, with different meetings, but Josh did have a, a lunch meeting yesterday. Um, and yeah, what, what did he still do, Amy? He wasn't going to eat with us, but what no. did he still do? He still ordered his lunch. He needed two lunches just in case, you know, he was hungry. Now, before Late we jump snack. to conclusions, <laughs> do we know that he ate it yesterday afternoon? He, he, I don't think he did eat it. Okay. So part of me is like, maybe he'll forget about it. And that could be my, my lunch there today. Let's not, let's not tell him we were talking about this. I, but just to put it out there, he was like, oh man, I don't, I haven't done things like this since I was 15. No, <laughs> Josh is just finding new ways to eat big bowls of cereal. I have to admit, I'm very uncomfortable with how you started this out about look how bad Josh is. And it turned into, you know, cause secretly my desire is maybe he'll forget about it and I can eat no. more of it. Well, what I wanted to clarify from the beginning that because of my own overweightness, mm-hmm. you know, you know, it's like a judge, not lest you be judged. I'm like, you can judge me too, is what I was trying to say. Oh, okay. I'm going to judge Josh here, but just a second. You, you can judge me too. Judgment all around. It's <laughs> like Oprah with judgment. <laughs> but see, you're not even 40 yet. And poor Josh, he is, he, his back is out. All he did is twisted funny and he can't move. So the poor guy. And, he can, and he's not here to defend himself. And he can't yeah. defend himself because he can hardly move, but it's okay. That's what happens when you turn 40. Is, is he looking at us he or did, something? He did just look at he, us. He took, okay. he took a peek. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he heard his name. Uh-oh. All these things are why we love him. Yep. 
exactly. All right. Well, that being said, <laughs> let's move on to uh, uh, kids, kids ministry. Kids, yay. Uh, Amy, you're going through, what, a series in mm-hmm. the children's ministry for the armor of God. We uh, are. Tell us a little more about that. Yeah. And I'd love to hear as well, kind of what are the ultimate goals? What do you want the kids at each level to be able to walk away with at the end of the series? Yeah. So when we started this, we kind of started at the same time we started First John we try to correlate a little bit. But um, when we first started Armor of God, we, as a whole, across the board, starting with our babies all the way up to our fifth graders, started talking about like identifying our hero and identifying the enemy. And of course, the kids right away said, Satan, Satan's our enemy, which yes, ultimately he is our enemy. But there are so many other things in this world that can fit that um, same category as you could say. So with our little kids, we just have been really talking about how important it is just to obey our parents and not to lie and to be nice to our siblings and be nice to our neighbors because on their level, that's the only things that they're thinking about, right? And um, as our kids get older, we're diving a little deeper. We've been taking our fourth and fifth graders. Usually we start with like a whole group session, but we've been taking our fourth and fifth graders out and they've actually been looking up scripture on certain things. So for example, last week we talked about the helmet of salvation. And so we just went and looked at some verses that talked about salvation and what that means in each of their lives. Because let's be honest, our fourth and fifth graders are selfish and a lot of it has to do with themselves. And so we just kept talking like, what does this have to do with you? How can you apply this in your life right now? When you leave church, what can you do? Because honestly, that's what they're thinking about. All they're thinking about is what am I going to eat for lunch? What am I going to do this afternoon with my friends? When is the Super Bowl going to start? What am I going to eat at the Super Bowl? Like those are the things that they think about. So we just are really trying to apply it back to their own lives and how they can use it each and every day. So um, it's been really good. It's been really good. Um, I know one thing or one of the verses that they're going to be talking about this week is 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. And just talking about how all scriptures breathed out by God and um, how we can use his word to defend ourselves and how important it is to be in his word. And that's just one thing I really, really, really want our kids to see because I feel like not a lot of people pick up their Bibles, physically pick up their Bibles, even right now, I was looking on the redemption app at my Bible app on there. And um, so I just really want to make sure that our kids are still picking up their Bible. And um, I have mine since I was in college. And so I have a lot of things um, underlined. And I just, I we're trying to get that, the older kids to see that, but the younger kids too, even at home every morning when my kids see me, I have my Bible open and I'm reading it. And they're like, what are you reading today, mom? Instead of doing it on my phone. So just little things like that, just really wanting them to to physically open a Bible and read it and know his word, because I feel like that's not happening anymore. If that makes sense. I just yeah. don't think kids pick up a Bible anymore and actually read a any scripture. So that's just one of our big things and just using the whole armor of God and how we have the sword of the spirit right here. We have the Bible and that is what's going to guide us and help us through each and every day. 
Yeah, the Bible being on everybody's phone would uh, make things like sword drills. Uh, if you remember those. <laughs> oh, uh, we still do a, those, JP. You do? Sword drills oh, are awesome. 100% we do sword drills. With, you provide kids with Bibles then? Yes. Okay, yep. and you make them open them. and Absolutely. That's awesome. They're actually going to be doing that this week too. Like they're going to be yes. uh, competing to put verses together and they have to find their little sword air quote, that's what I'm doing because you can't see me. And they have to look up scripture that correlates with what was on their sword, which happens to be like a little plastic knife. So it'll be fun. Cool. Get them in the word. There you go. Uh, and one other question then about uh, what the, the kids are learning is there anything parents uh, can do to kind of partner with what's going on? So every Monday, sometimes Tuesdays, um, for some reason, I'll forget to schedule it. But uh, there's an email that goes out to parents. So if you are listening to this and you don't get the email, please, please find me and we can get you added to the list. We just need your email if you do not have that on our like database. But um, there's an email that goes out that goes with what we just talked about the Sunday before. And then there's always discussion questions. And I think those are really important because it just kind of um, helps families talk about it. And I don't think a lot of the time, we try to do it around the dinner table because if we don't, bedtime's always like a disaster, not a disaster, I don't want to say that, but we it's not a good time. It's not a good time to have the discussion question. I'm okay with saying bedtime at, at my house disaster. is a disaster. So. Oh, it's, it's a hot mess sometimes. But um, so we always try, it's like a good opportunity just to use that as a, a tool for parents. Um, and then there's usually, I'll add a video or there's something that they can use, which is really helpful. And just kind of talking about what did you guys talk about on Sunday? Because if we're not doing it at home, then they're not going to hear it throughout the week. Who else are they going to hear it from? So use that email. Check it out. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Another resource from Redemption Church. Absolutely. All right. Uh, we've got one last thing to talk about. Uh, and it's, it's kind of a Christian living question. Let's say hypothetically, totally hypothetically. Mm. Um, yes, hypothetically. Someone is going through a situation where they are working with, mm, I don't know, off the top of my head, we'll call it four different groups. And uh, there's a lot of miscommunication, a lot of frustration, and a lot of stress being introduced into their work life. Again, this is all hypothetical. So please don't try and match any of these hypothetical circumstances up with anything else. Uh, as staff here at Redemption Church, what what advice might we give someone to live those kinds of situations well, where work is maybe a little rough, where there's a lot of relational tension uh, and where there's a fair amount of stress? Where would you start? Well, I think, uh, good question. <laughs> my My go-to that I've been trained to go to is going to be the gospel, right? Mm -hmm. Everything has to go back to the gospel because that seems to set everything right. Um, I'm a big prayer. Yeah. And I, that's like my go-to. Like if I am in a situation where I'm frustrated or just need to talk to God, I'm instantly praying like, Lord, just you know, whatever situation I'm in, just help my heart to be right because that's where it's going to start. 
it's my choice to make the situation go well or make it um, less stressful. And um, yeah, that's where I would start. Okay. I mean, I always come back to quick to hear, slow to speak. Yes. And so even in this scenario where you have multiple parties that aren't communicating well, that aren't on the same page, where maybe a project is falling apart or not going as planned. Hypothetically speaking. Hypothetically speaking. There's an avenue to be quick to hear and slow to speak. And I think in that, when you're quick to hear, you can start to listen to all parties involved so that you actually have a clear picture of, of where everybody's at. Mm-hmm. And so once you have listened to all parties involved, then there's an opportunity to then to then speak. And I think when we speak with an understanding of where everybody is at, then even communicating that, I understand where you're coming from or I understand that this happened, I understand why, it provides actually a gentleness to continue on this conversation to progress forward. But even with an understanding that provides a gentleness, it then actually allows you to be able to be firm when you need to be firm. Well said. That was impressive. I like that. I'm serious. That was good. I, I know, A Amy, gentleness. E- even, even the blind squirrel finds in that from time <laughs> no, to time. No, that's right. not what I'm implying. I just thought that was a very good explanation because gentleness, you'd think... When I think of gentleness, I think of like newborn babies being gentle, blah, 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 but gentle with our words too. But I, but I think you can be gentle and firm at the same time. Absolutely. And, th- and, that, and then again, I think that just goes back to having an understanding. Yep. Even yeah. an understanding of where someone, even if it's yourself, fell short, this is what happened, this is why it happened, an, an apology is why, for why it happened, or if it's somebody else. I understand how that could have happened, but at this point, here's, here's what we need to correct. Here's yeah. how we need to move forward. Yeah, I definitely think you're right that understanding the the landscape of the situation where people are coming from, from their perspective, is absolutely essential uh, as well to navigating those because when you understand that other people have other priorities or other things that they're worried about, it does help you to kind of understand or just deal with you know the inconveniences that come your way. And let's be honest, we all want to... I think we can all find it easy to just respond emotively. Mm -hmm. Mm. Whether there was an injustice, whether you were wronged, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's real easy and a real go-to. And for me, I could have a tendency in that situation where it's like, I'm actually going to have an emotive response, which actually can be used to almost even manipulate the situation so that I win. Maybe even maybe if I was wrong in a situation to protect myself, so I'm not viewed as someone who's messed up this whole process, mm-hmm. but to pre- kind of like that self protection mechanism, so that I still save face. Whereas, if we can take a step back and again listen and understand all all involved, I think a simply emotive response, a simply I'm going to win this situation response, would actually probably be counterproductive and and probably or have the possibility of snowballing it in the wrong direction that you actually want to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And the more you talk about this, the more I realize how countercultural that kind of thing is mm-hmm. uh, because it just seems like nobody really does that. Nope. Christian, non-Christian, uh, that is definitely a countercultural way to respond to those situations. Um, I can say for me, uh, and this isn't, 
uh, I don't know how directly it applies, but uh, as, as we've been, I've been with Redemption now six, seven months, Yay! something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, one of the more difficult or uh, frustrating one of the things I'm least excited to do in my job is to wake up at 6 a.m., wake up at 5 a.m. to get to church by 6 a.m. to set things up, to move heavy equipment and put it into place week after week after week. And one of the things that really started to transform my attitude on Sunday mornings is realizing that this was a sacrifice I could bring to Jesus, that I'm not doing it for the church. I'm not doing it for myself. I'm actually just, this is my offering um, uh, uh, to, to show Jesus how much I care about him and love him and appreciate what he's done for me. And I think if you can maybe walk into situations or in the midst of those situations, recognize like I am in this situation for Jesus and the way I respond in this situation is an offering of love and thankfulness. Uh, I think that can also go a long ways because there is that temptation uh, to respond, you know, in either a manipulative way or in an emotive way uh, without thinking about what is really the right way to respond with patience, with grace uh, that would make Jesus happy. Mm -hmm. So, and, and I thank you for that. Thanks for fighting for the good attitude. Thanks for leading the way. Because certainly for us, as a, specifically as a church, it's, it's been a long time of that same look sun, on Sunday mornings. And I'm not getting up at 5 a.m. to lift something heavy at 6 a.m. Yet I still don't have a good attitude about still still setting up. So thanks for thanks for leading the way. Yes. In that, I'm not sure how much I'm leading the well, way. <laughs> none of us. We're, nobody's going to be perfect in that area. No. But your attitude and what you just said is right on, spot on with what we should be and how we should be acting. Well, cool. <laughs> I mean, you need to put that in quotes. Hope, hopefully I can continue this for two weeks in a row. This was kind of a last week discovery and <laughs> it actually did make serving a lot more, a lot more enjoyable uh, because it was, I felt like it was really for Jesus. So it's awesome. good. Um, I think that's all we got. That's all we got for this week. Uh, if you have any questions, please feel free to write in. And uh, thank you for joining us here on The Post. If you haven't already, we'd encourage you to click follow, subscribe, or like on your podcasting app to make sure you get notified when we release an episode. If you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear those. Just connect with us via email, which is info at redemptionmi.org. Or you can send us a message on social media at Redemption MI on Facebook or Redemption Church MI on Instagram. Until next time, have a great week. 